Welcome to NCFM Today, a podcast about family medicine in the Old North State. I'm your host, Greg Griggs. This month, we're speaking with our new NCAFP president, Dr. Dimitrios Takihandros. Dr. Hondros was installed at our annual meeting in early December. Dr. Hondros, welcome to our show. Hey, Greg, thank you for uh, having me today on your show. It's great to have you. I really want to revisit the speech you gave during your installation as president of the North Carolina Academy of Family Physicians. Can you, first of all, talk a little bit about the people who have influenced you along your road to leadership in family medicine? Sure. I mean, my my road to family medicine started when I was 11. At the time, uh, my parents had uh, moved us to a a family practice clinic coming out of our neighborhood. And when I was 11, I started seeing Dr. Marshall McMillan and and just seeing his love of taking care of everybody meant a lot to me because culture is important to me and my family. And so... um, we quickly kind of hit it off. I remember in middle school um, through high school and then eventually college and medical school, I would try to go back as often as I could to shadow him. It was easier back in the day to shadow physicians and spend time with them and kind of learn. And, and I quickly learned that being good in sciences and what he did was something that clicked with me very early. So that's where my passion started in family medicine. And then as I got to medical school, um, I had come to my first uh, meeting at the Grove Park as a first or second year student, where at the time I had also met uh, Dr. Maureen Murphy and Dr. Richard Lord, um, both of them leaders at the time in the academy. And and their love and passion for teaching really spoke to me. And and with both of them, Dr. Lord was with me at Wake Forest where I went to medical school. I did as much as I could when I could with him. And Dr. Maureen Murphy had also taken a lot of students under her wings. And and she encouraged all of us at the time to go work with her in Sparta up in the mountains. So I did months of rotations for her her through med school and residency. Oh, so I you know I even understand you were so eager to shadow your neighborhood family doctor that you uh, uh, would climb the fence from your grandparents' house to go over there to get to the yeah, practice. Yeah, I would. My grandmother's house. Uh, had a big eight foot fence that you had to scurry over going to the power lines around the apartment complex. And it was caddy corner backed up to the family practice clinic. So yeah, I would, I would jump because my parents at the time wouldn't let us ride our bike around. They thought we were leaving the neighborhood. So that was the easiest way to get to the back door. And it was kind of funny. I was a middle schooler who had a key to the doctor's office. I could just go in the back door and, and um, just find Dr. McMillan and start. He always had the back corner of the office. It was easy to get to him without being seen from the front desk. Uh, I guess, you know, today, folks probably aren't handing a middle schooler a, tea, a key to a doctor's no, office. They probably are not. Now you got to do a lot of paperwork and checks and balances and vaccines and make sure they're even matriculated to, to, to be able to for them to come in now. You know, when you came to that first meeting of the academy and you met folks like Dr. Maureen Murphy, what, what kind of impact did that have? And, and why did it have an impact on you? Uh, to cement you as a medical student into family medicine. Well, Dr. Murphy went out of her way to make sure that she introduced herself to all of us. At the time, the meeting didn't have as many students as participate now. Um, I remember probably less than 20 there. She went out of her way to say hello to everyone. She made sure to know that she made sure that all of us had student buddies that would um, support uh, us being there financially, because as a student, we know it's expensive to come to places like the Grove Park. 
And so she she really went out of her way to say thank you to the family docs who took the time to invest in us coming. And, and it was always her tradition that at the time she would invite us all on Friday nights to go out to dinner with her. And not all of us participated, but just just that first 24 hours of being there and her attention to us in particular, um, more so than we felt than she was giving attention to other things at the time. You know, we just we felt so attended to and just listening to her story, how she got from Gastonia eventually up to Sparta and with her then um, husband and the kind of care she did, delivered babies in the hospital, did ICU medicine and ER medicine, just was really just exciting to, to, to meet a doctor who just did it all. I know culture does mean a lot to you. you you've grown up in a Greek family and it, it seems like uh, you have a big personal family, but it seems like the culture of family medicine also has that family feel for it. Can you talk a little bit about that, you know, uh, how that culture works uh, for you? So for us, it's important, you know, I, I, you know, my best friend growing up was my grandfather. And so, and, and he coming here in the late sixties, you know, it took a long time for him to learn the language, understand the language. And even as he was growing up in the 80s and 90s and thousands until he passed away in 2009, he still would require one of us to take him places. He At the time, it wasn't as easy to have interpreters in clinics or hospitals, you know. And so, so it was important that every time he had to go to the doctor for his heart, for his prostate cancer, for a lot of things that he dealt with, um, that he would need one of us. But as soon as he realized that science and medicine were important to me, he only then would go to the doctor with me. He wouldn't go with anybody else. So he would always make sure his appointments were during my fall break, my Christmas break, my whatever break where I could get away from undergrad or med school and just specifically drive to Charlotte. So I spent a lot of my vacations taking my grandfather to the physician. And so uh, I learned that, that in order for you to help improve folks' health, that Family is important. And so you have to participate in the care of those of you that are older and need you or younger and need you. And so that compelled me sort of culturally and from a family perspective to love the idea that conceptually I could take care of people that were very young all the way to very old. And so generationally, family medicine spoke to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm now as I, I enter my 19th year next year in family medicine, you know, I'm great to say generationally now that I have folks that are now great grandparents that I take care of down now to their great grandchildren. And so it's amazing to watch now my folks as they've gotten older here uh, in the Matthews area and now their children and their grandchildren. And now I'm starting to see I'm seeing a new infant next week and she's the great granddaughter of the great grandmother I saw this morning. It's a that to me speaks volumes because I feel like I can take better care of them because I understand their dynamics as I've watched them grow in the families and, and, and having to deal with that. It's, it's, it's been really good. And I feel like that really impacts to offer even better care. There's really a connection and knowledge there. That's very few specialties have uh, maybe no specialties other than family medicine have. I, I concur because I, I, I can argue the only connection specialists will have with that is just asking a family history. And, and so, but a lot of times if you're in an office, you may forget half of it, but if you see folks from the grandparents down, you kind of build your own family history because 
you've taken care of them for so long. So you know what grandmother has or grandfather has, what maybe the grandchild may be at risk for as he or she gets older. You're right. And I, you know, it, it, I think about, uh, you know, the academy is really, especially at the annual meeting, especially coming back this year after not having the meeting for two years because of COVID and being able to come back uh, and try a meeting in person and, and do it successfully, although social distance and mask and different than we had, the, the family feel of that meeting was even probably greater this year. It, Comment on that a little bit. Yeah, the energy and the buzz as we all came back this year with our safety measures in place was 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 a mode of energy that you're right. And this being my 20, 21st consecutive meeting, I don't remember ever having so much energy and enthusiasm to be together. I think the camaraderie, we're all obviously exhausted from taking care of COVID patients. I mean, we, we have been inundated with, you know, all of this stuff and to take care of our patients with their healthcare metrics and their healthcare screenings and their other illnesses that it was just a great time to step away for three days and safely say hello to each other and safely say thank you for what we do and safely just kind of all be there and, and acknowledge that it has been a very exhausting two years for all of us. And it was great for just three days just to be able to get away and, and and just kind of see, learn, do, feel, and feel energized for all the great things that will hopefully to come in 2022. I know at our past president's lunch, as the uh, our some of our current and many of our past leaders went around the room talking about what they had been doing, you know, during these past couple of years, and including some of our retired members. It was really meaningful and emotional to hear people talk about how they've been caring for their patients during what is really an unprecedented time in our history. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and as much as a lot of offices or areas or clinics have adopted into this ability and ease of virtual care, our office here, though, we've continued to try our best to bring our patients in the door. We've, we, we really feel that that personal touch goes you know, a long way. And so we're doing our best here to offer virtually when appropriate, but we want to, we want to take care of our sick patients at our door because, you know, if, if, if we're trying to deal with COVID or other illnesses, sometimes, you know, being a physician or a clinician requires you to also use your stethoscope and tools. And so we, we, we try to make sure that we do our best to care for our patients wholeheartedly. Yeah, I know you're really passionate about mentoring students, and I, I want to go back that to that a minute because I know you had great mentors yourself. And I assume this is goes back to your own experiences, but why is mentoring so important to you? What does that mean to you? You know, what did the interaction with the residents and students mean to you? I think I've been blessed because I've had great mentors, and and in many ways I've been spoiled because they've all been excellent as family docs, as teachers and leaders. And so that is sort of a pay it forward for me. Um, they taught me young that teaching allows you to be on your toes. Teaching allows you to always be at the forefront of what's new in science. And, and teaching always allows you to know that you can train the future generation to help take care of you one day. 
and, and other folks that right now are currently in my generation working. And so for me, it, it very quickly became the same love, even in residency, to teach when the medical students would come to their fourth year rotations as I've been out in clinical medicine now with hospital-based practice and now independent-based practice, that, that, that having the students here, the patients love it. The staff love it. We love it. And it, it's it, sure it takes more time, but it, we feel, you know, those of us that do it, at least I do here, I, I feel more, more gratified and, and appreciated for what I do after a student comes and goes. And it, it was great uh, getting to interact with some students in residence again after really not being able to go out to the residency programs and the, and, and the med schools as much due to COVID. So uh, we weren't back for full numbers of our residents and students this year because of uh, capping the size of our meeting for safety reasons, but it was certainly great to have them it back. It was great. It was great to see one of my former students and student scholars, you know, who started, um, Brittany, who started Dr. Means now, she had started a career and was one of our first student scholars where she really wasn't sure that she wanted to be a family doctor, but, you know, she spent the four years with us through the scholars program. And, and I'm glad that by second year of medical school, she decided that family medicine was where she wanted to be. And, and it was great that she was able to take time out of her intern year to, to spend the weekend with us and celebrate in our presidential reception and gala. And my new current student, um, Sophia, who's going to do her third year clerkships with me next year. You know, it was great to, to see the kids that have grown up and are now training to be family docs and those that were there in December you also talked a bit about value-based healthcare uh, in your installation speech. Uh, how do you think that's going to uh, impact family medicine and why is it important? I think that should impact family medicine in a phenomenal way. Um, we know how best to provide total care to our patients and we're well trained at doing it. And, and family docs are able to do that um, very efficiently, cost-effectively, and, and my opinion, because we know our patients the best with the most hands-on approach. And so I'm a big believer in, in value-based healthcare. But in order for us to also help deliver that, we got to have teams around us to be able to take care of complex disease management. And so it's important that if you're trying to take care of patients like that and understand how to keep them out of the hospital and, and how to help them improve their health. You need folks around you to do it. You need um, other team players in medicine like mid-levels and pharmacists and nutritionists and behavioralists. And those are all important pieces to try to put around you in a big collaborative office to be able to offer those services to improve outcomes at the best cost pretense. I know that's one of the things you're trying to do in, in your new practice, uh, uh, working to make sure the pieces are in place of that puzzle to really give comprehensive care and be a comprehensive medical home. We are. It's nice because, you know, we have the, the staff here. And if you're stuck in a patient room where there's potentially a crisis, it could be a mental health crisis. You know, you're here to talk to the patient, offer some guidance, you know, maybe adjust medicines or help them counsel. But it's nice to walk down the hall and find your behavioralist and bring them in here just to sit with the patient for, even if it's for five minutes, just to help offer some, 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 some support and offer some 
quick counseling tips and then it helps create a rapport with them that then the patient can come back and continue to talk through some of their stuff that they're dealing mentally in the moment while the patient then with me can interact and help make adjustments to the medicines to help them also improve. And that's just one example of how such a model has been very successful here in real time. You know, another thing you've talked about is sort of the diversity of leaders in the academy and the diversity of folks you've learned from. It, just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been great to work with family docs from all walks of life. It's been great to learn that that nobody, our patients or ourselves, are cut from the same cloth. It's It's great to know that we all come from different backgrounds and we all need to respect those backgrounds and learn from those backgrounds because all of that will also affect A, how you take care of yourself, B, what your current healthcare situation is, but can also depend on how we need to make sure of what we need to do, understanding your background to help you improve. And so we know that culturally, sometimes that can affect how your diet is. We know how it can affect um, other things that you see as as norm versus not norm. And so uh, it's been great to work with folks from all walks of life in the academy and, uh, and having these great friends. I always ask them, how do you or why do you? And, and, and it's great when they give us feedback or sometimes they're experts in their field. And it's nice sometimes to say, I have a family doctor who is good at. And so, uh, you know, it's nice to be able to say, I'm not a specialist in this arena, but I have a family doc down the street who can. And it's nice to be able, it's great when I can tell somebody, I'm going to send you to another family doctor who's a specialist in this area. Uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, it, it brings me back kind of to the last couple of questions I want to ask you, you know, related to some of your comments at our annual meeting. And, uh, you know, one of which is the relationships you have. But what are some of the other things you get out of being in the academy and being a leader in the academy, I, you know, I know it's relationships, it's education, it's lots of things. Do a little, talk a little bit about that. To me, being involved in the academy, it's enlightening to work with a group of people that were all there for one common purpose. We're all there for the betterment of our profession, and we're all there for the betterment of our patients. None of us that are involved in leadership at the academy are there for any secondary agendas. It's it's great to be with a group of people that we are all there wearing the same hat for the same purpose and to work together to succeed because we've all volunteered our times to, to be there. And we find it important um, to be able to, to work within our state and or nationally to improve things that either burdens us or burdens our patients or even burdens how we deliver health care. And so it's great to have the NCAFP as our wheelhouse to be able to try to shift policy, to shift healthcare delivery, to shift, um, you know, things that can affect even the improvement of healthcare outcomes. And so, I mean, that's sort of a big sort of item. The other thing with me, like we touched on at the beginning, is it is also a place for me to try to get the word out to as many folks below us in medicine that are in medical school or contemplating going to medical school, why choosing family medicine is truly the best career path for them. Um, 
medically, especially as we move to this new mantra of value-based healthcare in 2022, the biggest thing for me is to try to encourage as many students as we can get to next year um, to visit these schools to, to try to help them, you know, at least consider or ponder or try to get an experience in family medicine that may then make them decide to stay there. That's a perfect segue to really my last question, and that's uh, jumping forward from 12 months uh, from now. It's it's only a short year as president uh, of the academy. If you're thinking a year from now, what do you want to look back on and say you've accomplished or say that you've done? Well, I guess I can't say that I'm I'm going to try to get rid of COVID. Hey, if you can accomplish that, I think everybody would uh, – you would be revered by many, many people, not just in North Carolina, but all over the country. Exactly. Um, You know, it's one of my personal goals next year uh, to work on two big ticket items that I would love to say I can accomplish. I'm excited that I'm going to get to work with our new foundation president, Dr. Maureen Murphy. And that we're going to put a very dedicated effort next year to help grow our student foundation. We know that for us to succeed in in getting folks to go into family medicine, we have to have strong programs and a strong foundation um, to continue to build on to get students into places where they can work with family docs that love what they do. And so all of our preceptors that work with our academy and our foundation, our scholars programs, are all passionate to teach. And so we need to continue to, to work on our um, fundraising campaign next year to help grow that endowment so we can try to touch as many students in North Carolina as we can and offer them opportunities to experience family medicine. Um, the other item, uh, you know, I would love with the medical schools and the residencies and the help of, of folks at the academy office to try to get to as many of these places as we can to talk to the students and the residents and, and kind of listen to them as well, you know, about why they've either decided to go into family medicine or why those are on the fence and how we can continue to to reach out to them as well and, and offer our support and and, and our um, commentary about why family medicine is the place to be. I think we can get you in front of some medical students and residents this year, and, and we'll definitely make that a goal. As we're closing now, any last pearl or piece of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? Keep your head up. Um, be strong. Be steadfast. Uh, you know, it's uh, 2022 will hopefully be a great transitional year for us. Hopefully we will continue to kind of dig out of this pandemic and we can hopefully get some control so we can continue to look to normalcy and we can continue to look to implementation of value-based healthcare, you know, but, you know, if I give any guidance kind of like I did in my speech is that be a voice whether you're in independent practice or DPC practice or hospital-based practice, wherever you practice in family medicine, be a voice for you, be a voice for your colleagues, be a voice for your patients, and never, ever be afraid, um, you know, to, to challenge what doesn't work and to challenge how to continue to make 
your day-to-day life, your administrative burden, the way you practice medicine to be more efficient and effective. And so you need to continue and also to push, um, especially if you're in in hospital-based medicine, to push that family medicine is where um, low-cost, high-quality healthcare is. And, And we need to continue to to, to encourage that all folks need a PCP and all folks need family physicians to be their gateways to their health. Alejandros, that's a great piece of advice. Uh, thanks for joining us, and I look forward to your leadership throughout 2022. Greg, I appreciate that as well. And, and as always, we, we appreciate your help and guidance that you give to all the family doctors in, in the state of North Carolina, to you and your staff. Thank you as well. Thank you, and thanks to our listeners. Uh, Thanks for listening to the December edition of NCFM Today. You can find NCFM Today on the Apple or Google stores, on Spotify, or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Remember, like us, review us. Let's get the listeners up to this podcast. You can also find it on our website, on our homepage at ncfp.com. Until next month, this is Greg Griggs.